Coffee with Colby episode 21. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Colby, the show that's all about helping you put your best foot forward on your professional path. In the time it takes to enjoy just one cup of coffee, we are going to cover the challenges that crop up in the workplace and how to balance your career and your personal life. This is all the stuff that you need to know that they didn't teach you in school. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm Colby Reed, and this is my show. And today's show, we're going to cover a topic. It's going to start, I think, with a little bit of a rant, and I think we're going to end with a little bit of a pep talk and some action items. Um, But before I actually get into this subject, I want to be clear on one thing up front. What I'm going to talk about today, it is absolutely critical to growing in your career and your profession, whether you're looking for that first job right out of school, whether you're asking for a promotion after you've been working for a company for two years, 20 years, whether you're moving to a new role or a new company, it is absolutely essential, but it's also far easier said than done. It's something that takes a lot of mental work to shift the way that you approach this subject. But if you can make that shift, it is going to be so valuable to you as you grow. And the the concept that I wanna cover today, the thing that I wanna drill into your brain Simply put, do not, do not, do not sell yourself short when it comes to your professional value. Here's the thing. In just the last few weeks, I've actually seen this play out in in a couple of scenarios directly. And I've seen this also more times than I can count in my professional career. And every time I see it, it makes me so frustrated when I see somebody who has incredible value, who has skills, who has experience, but approach the job hunt process, approach the promotion process in this defensive posture, focusing on the areas where they fall short, as opposed to the areas where they excel, as opposed to the, the, the areas of value that they bring. Rather than looking at the incredible value that you bring to your company, and you do have incredible value, you do bring incredible value to your organization, instead of focusing on that and emphasizing your value, we start to focus on our perceived gaps. They're not even real gaps when you come to think of it. They're they're, they're gaps that we think are there based on our perception of the of the situation and I don't know if it's we just want to be self-aware and show that we're you know we're not gonna you know gloss over our, our our shortcomings or what but it drives me crazy let me give you an example of how this plays out I meet with college students all the time who are about to graduate um, I probably meet with 30 or 40 over the course of a given year A lot of these young professionals have done a few internships. Maybe they've done volunteer projects. They have a college degree. So they've got a decent resume for someone who's coming out of school. And I sit down with them. And as I'm talking about this in an informational interview and and trying to help them understand how to go find that new job, that first job, they're almost apologizing when they show me their resume. I know I don't have this skill. I know I don't have experience in this area. I know I haven't done this. Yeah, because you've been in school for the last four years. I am not expecting you to have years of real world experience. As a hiring manager, when I'm looking at someone who's coming fresh out of school, I'm looking at, do you have specific baseline skills? In my field of public relations, can you write? Are you organized? Um, Are you able to juggle different deadlines? Are you creative? 
Have you done work that shows you understand the basics of our work? Whether you understand how my business works, I'm looking at whether you have the potential to then be molded and grow in my organization in the model in which we practice our craft. I'm also, to be frank, looking at your confidence. People are much more attracted to candidates who come out saying, I can do this and I can do this and I can do this and I will learn the rest as opposed to the Eeyore candidate who says, well, I can't do this and I I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do this, but I did this. Honestly, in any job with any company, you're going to spend probably three to six months ramping up at minimum. It takes that long, even if you've been in the field for decades. Like I, I've been in communications for f- at the time of this the, that I'm recording this for how long? 14, 15 years. And in the job that I'm in now, I just feel now like I've really wrapped my head around my role and I've been there for a year. It takes that long because you need to learn how to follow the specific processes of that organization. In some cases, you may need to create those processes and you can't do that until you've learned all the different players and how the different pieces fit together. You need to learn the background of the company, the nuances of their clients and their partners. So really any hiring manager worth their salt needs to be looking at your specific hard skills and how they can actually be applied to this job. Maybe they're also looking at your experience in a given sector. Like if you're applying for a role in the healthcare field, have you worked in healthcare before? Do you understand some of the nuances of that specific sector? Um, that can also be a selling point. Like if you don't, if, if you don't have a background, say in marketing, but you want to get a job in marketing for a healthcare company, but you've been working for another healthcare firm in a different role. And you can come to the table and say, I can learn how to write an ad campaign, but I already know the intricacies of, you know, HIPAA legislation and things like that. Now, I want to be clear also that I understand where this anxiety is coming from. There are so many jobs right now. It's, it's almost become like this running joke on social media where you see so many jobs. They're really entry-level gigs. They even say like, this is an entry-level gig, but they're saying must have one to two years of experience, one to three years of experience. And you couple that with the general stress of launching into the professional world leaving college, feeling the desperation of getting a job, and it can really mess with your head. But the thing is, that desperation actually can work against you. It changes your energy. It changes your tone, your approach to your interviews, your networking. Instead of looking for the right job, you are starting to look for just any job and just kind of anyone who will have you. And I also want to be clear, I understand that there are situations where you know money is, money is a very real challenge and a very real thing that people need to focus on. And if you graduate and take six months to find a job, you, you know, financially it, it becomes dire. But the more that you can, you know, if you can try and find something as a bridge, if you can find something that will make ends meet for you for that four to six month period so that you can really then focus on kind of the big picture, the long term, where you want to go in your career, it's going to make things that much easier on you uh, in, in terms of your search. And frankly, you deserve better. You deserve to treat yourself better. You deserve to live with better energy than that. Odds are you and I have never met. We may never meet, but if you're listening to this show, the odds are you are invested in building your career. You have put thought and efforts into your professional path. You are a hard worker. You are smart. You care. 
So you don't deserve to pursue your career in this position of defense and defeat. You deserve to spread your feathers like a freaking peacock and say, I'm good at this. I have skills. I can make a positive contribution. I am just waiting for the right company that is smart enough to recognize that and bring me onto their team. And this doesn't just apply to new grads. Um, A few weeks ago, I was talking with a woman who went to school. uh, She had a job. Was had a good job, was good at it, and after a few years, she chose to take a couple years off um, and be home because she had a baby, and she wanted to be home with that baby, and she was now at a point where she was ready to re-enter the workforce, and she had that same defensive, almost defeated energy. She didn't think that she was up to speed on the latest trends. She didn't know how to explain the gap on her resume. She was, a, she was honestly, sounded like she was afraid to bring it up or like, how she was going to talk about this. She was completely and totally stuck in her own head. Now, I'm going to pause here because I'm not a stay-at-home mom. I never have been, never will be. But I'm married to one, and I have worked with a number of women who have taken time away from the workplace to raise their children. I'm friends with a ton of stay-at-home moms. I can't empathize because I've never been in that position, but I can sympathize with the challenges that it presents, and I know that specific subject, huge internal struggle. There's insecurity, it's mental, emotional, physical. I am not trying to dismiss any of that piece of the equation. And also just so we're, we're clear, I'm not here to say if you have kids, you should have one parent stay at home permanently for, or for a period of time, or you should go back to work. Every family is different. If you want to build a career, do it. You want to be home with your kiddo, do it. 110% up to you. My point in bringing this up is not to delve into the specific machinations of you know the, the stay-at-home mom. It's more about trying to help shift your focus. Whether you have been a stay-at-home mom, whether you are somebody who has been laid off. Um, I know individuals who have you know been good at their jobs and got fired and then spent a month, a year, 18 months on unemployment, and they have this gap. I have friends who left a company and started their own business and it didn't work. And now they're trying to re-enter the workforce and they've been, you know, quote unquote consulting for a year and a half and don't have a whole lot to show for it. So rather than thinking about where you may fall short or where your gaps might be, think instead about what value you do bring to the table. That's where I want your focus to be. In the case of my friend, uh, she was a college graduate. She had held internships in college. She had been hired fresh out of college in a company that she loved. She had been promoted by her company. She also had chosen to step out for a reason that was very good for her and her family and was now choosing to return to the workforce. She hadn't been fired. She hadn't been reprimanded. She hadn't been forced out, laid off. She was good at what she ha- what she did. She had skills. She had incredible value. She made a life choice. And now there's a, you know, a challenging moment where, you know, she wants to return to the workforce, but she just needed to find the right company that would recognize that value. And quite frankly, when I talked to her in this way, when I said, Hey, you went to college, you've been, you, you got hired, you've been promoted, you know, this stuff two years away from the workforce is not the end of the world. Her entire energy and posture shifted and changed. It was like, you could feel the focus completely change in, in, in her, in her head, but I can't give each and every one of you an individual pep talk. 
So how do we, how do we, what do we do about this? How do we actually make this shift of focus? Because again, it's really easy for me to sit here and say, focus on the positive. But when you're in that position, it's a whole lot more difficult to just make that shift. How do you actually do it? There are two specific actions I have seen that can really make this shift mentally for you. They are things, however, that you have to do consistently. Momentum begets momentum. Think about it. You have a week where one thing goes right, then another and another, and pretty soon you're walking around with that strut and that swagger. You can't do anything wrong. But on the other hand, when one bad thing happens and another, you start to get down on your he- yourself, you get stuck in that negative energy. The more that you practice these next two things, the more positive energy you're going to build and project internally and externally. And the first thing that I want you to do, this will come as no surprise to anyone who's listened to this podcast before, is start with informational interviews. In addition to helping you find job opportunities and build your network, informational interviews are a great place to serve as a sounding board. You're meeting with friendly faces, friendly voices, people who you're not in that formal job application period yet, so they'll call you out if you know, if, if you're saying something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you can practice telling your story to those other professionals, practice selling your strengths and talking about, you know, if you, if you've been out of the workforce, if you have a gap in your resume, what you, what you do bring to the table. Yes, you can and should be open and honest about areas where you, where you can see growth and areas where you want to grow, but you need to start and end with what you bring to the table. That needs to be your emphasis. Um, The added advantage of informational interviews is it gives you a chance to really tell your story in your way with your voice and your terms. If you're like my friend who stepped out, uh, you know, stepped out for a few years ago, she was able to, she, she's now able to really talk through, you know, why she has this gap in her resume, what she's looking for, what skills she has, how she's able to, you know, to make that contribution as opposed to just being somebody who's like, well, I I was working and then I was unemployed for, for two years. It, It lets you set the terms of the discussion. The second thing that you really need to do is be 100% is be 100% honest with yourself and look at your background, make a list of your value. What skills you do have, literally write it out, not like a resume, just bullet point list. What can you bring to the table? What can you do to bring value to your company? And then I need you to take that list and keep that in front of your mind. So using the the, the example of my field, public relations, you may not have pitched a reporter or landed a story in the New York Times, but have you drafted a press release? Have you assembled a media list? Have you managed social media? Have you conducted media media research? Have you done? Uh, have, have you have you built a PR plan? These are all raw skills that you can bring to the table, and then you can say, I, "I've already accomplished these things, and I know that I can come in and start doing these things right away." And I want to have the opportunity to grow in this area. It's a far more positive pitch to any potential employer. Keep this list top of mind. Mr. or Mrs. Employer, here is what I can do to help you. And here's what I can do to help your company succeed. So to wrap up for today, I just want to go back to my original point. And that is if you are listening to this podcast, you really do care about your career. You have skills, you have credentials, you have an education. I don't, I don't know you, but I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you care about building your career and you have 
value that you are able to bring to the table. I want you to focus 100% of your attention on that side of the equation and stop berating and beating yourself up because you haven't done one thing or you, you, you're missing one piece of a 100-piece puzzle. Uh, you, you frankly deserve so much better than that, and I hope that you're able to start making that mental shift. And with that, episode 21 is in the books. Episode 22 will be coming at you before you know it. Hey, if you've got a topic you'd like us to cover on the next episode, uh, the best way to uh, share that with me is on Twitter at Colby Reed, C-O-L-B-Y-R-E-A-D-E. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, really appreciate it if you pop up in your iTunes and give us that five-star review. Um, other than that, uh, I'm Colby Reed, and we'll talk next time. Mm-hmm.